We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz, presented by OTGBasketball.com. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. What's up, Jack? Man, there's so much news happening, Nick. It's hard to sort of filter it all, but, you know, you're going to get your Nets stuff from us, so stay tuned. Yes, sir. And if you need to get all your offseason rumors, head to OTGBasketball.com. We've been kind of recapping everything every night to kind of make it a little bit easier. But like Jack said, it's been wild. Kawhi rumors, free agent rumors, you know, all over the place, qualifying offers. But uh, today we're going to talk a little bit of free agency, you know, some stuff, some questions from a few listeners and things along those lines. Before we get started, though, just a quick reminder, you can check us out on iTunes, Block Talk Radio, and OTGBasketball.com. But a big shout out to one of our listeners, Marquise Johnson, giving us a lot of support on YouTube. He's had a few questions for us. First one, do the Nets need to address toughness and rebounding this offseason? Yeah, Nick, this is one for me that I sort of did a little bit of research about the sort of free agents available. Uh, I think rebounding is one thing that is, uh, it's a fair point. Um, I, I think that's one sort of area that the Nets sort of got beat up in last year. Um, when we sort of had the addition of Dwight Howard, that was sort of one area where I'm like, okay, cool, we're going to be fine when it comes to rebounding. Uh, I think Jared Allen sort of putting in some work and focusing on that in the offseason is going to be a priority of his. Um, we can target some free agents in that sense as well. Um, but like I mentioned uh, probably quite a few times on the pod, that we do emphasize guard rebounding so we can sort of get out and transition. So that is one reason that we su- that we do get beat up in the boards. Uh, and in terms of toughness, I think toughness is underrated in, in today's NBA. And I think in terms of our sort of system, uh, the last sort of guy that sort of provided that uh, was sort of like a Reggie Evans type. And I mean, you could probably add in Quincy Acey, who last year, you know, got fined 25 grand for his little stuff with Andre Drummond. So I think Quincy Acey provides that in spurts uh, in terms of when he, like, he takes charges. You know, he can be physical if he, like, obviously he's going to be on the roster going forward. Um, but, like, you know, for me, you know, Perkins and West, those guys who are free agents and, you know, may not be um, going forward. I don't think that they sort of fit in terms of how we're playing basketball. And I think it's overrated to what they provide uh, in the NBA. And like, you know, for me, like the toughest sort of guy in the NBA is a guy like a Steven Adams, who is 
a beast on the boards, is awesome when it comes to his screening and such. Um, but what do you think, Nick? I think rebounding is certainly an area we need to focus on. Yeah, and I think toughness and rebounding are somewhat correlated. You know, boxing somebody out is definitely not a fun job. Fighting on the board is not a fun job. And I agree. I think some of it also comes with the scheme. You know, we play a lot of small guys. You know, sometimes we go small at the four position. You know, sometimes we go small ball at the five with Rondé. I think that obviously has an impact. And I think overall, when you have a younger squad, like a lot of these guys aren't established. I'd say Damari Carroll probably provided some good toughness at the wing position. But other than that, you know, D'Angelo, Karis LeVert, Rondé, I think they just need to get a little bit, a little bit nasty. You know, some of the guys just need to get a little bit nastier. And some of that comes with playing in the league, getting a little bit more competitive, having some veteran leadership. I think Jeremy Lin's even mentioned the offseason. That's something he wants to bring to the team, get a little bit nastier. And I agree. I think it's something they could address in free agency. Maybe someone like a Kavon Looney. You know, I think that'd be a guy to consider if you're looking to bring in some rebounding and toughness. And he kind of fits the scheme in terms of switchability, too. So I think it's something they will address. But I don't think it's a huge deal that they need to address it right away. You know, not every team's going to be amazing rebounding. And like you mentioned, Jared Allen, I think, is a guy that's going to develop into a very solid rebounder. And Rondé thinks he'll have some more potential. And the guards can all step up. All, yeah. You know, a lot of the guards are – we got D'Angelo at 6'5", you know, Karis LeVert at 6'5", 6'6". Same thing with Spencer Dinwiddie. They got some good length. They just need to get in there a little bit. And like I said, it's a lot of just doing the dirty work. You know, some of the young guys can just step up in that area and just kind of get down on the boards a little bit. Yeah, I'll chuck in some names, guys like Montrezl Harrell, Ed Davis, Derek Favors, maybe even, or even like a Noah Vonley who may come on the cheap as well. There's some guys out there, and you know, we were rumored to get Kenneth Farid as well. If we make a move and somehow get rid of, say, uh, Damari Carroll or even Alan Crabb has been rumored, um, we could like get Farid, who is, for me, one of the better rebounders in the NBA, very underrated in that department. So there are ways we can address that, but I don't think we should sort of, you know, focus on that in terms of uh, at the expense of, you know, the development of other things in terms of our system. Yeah, I think that's something you can address a little bit later on, and some of the guys can kind of develop that skill. I don't think it's a huge deal. Also, Marquise brought up the point. He doesn't think Kenny is the right fit for the Nets. What are your thoughts on this? I know I have a very strong take on this. So I'll let you go first. Yeah, look, I, I did some research about some of the offseason comments. Obviously, we saw Tim Faye Mozgov uh, making his comments about it, and he's on his way out. Uh, I don't think it has any sort of correlation. It may uh, to a, to an extent. Um, but for me, Coach uh, Coach Kenny, I think, told this to ESPN, and I'm quoting here. You know, He said, just from a personal level, I can't tell you how much growth there's been learning the job, learning the league from a head coach perspective, managing a staff, managing 15 players, throwing the G League, understanding how that works, just a different perspective when you're a head coach. It took me a while to get to a comfort level, and I'm much more comfortable now, more comfortable with the system, more comfortable with our players, understanding their strengths and weakness. So I'm pleased, but definitely not satisfied. So for me, those comments perfectly encompass what I think Coach Kenny's recognizing. He's not perfect right now, but and he is by no means the perfect coach in any sense of the word. You've got plenty of sort of praise from um, plenty of other coaches, Greg Popovich, Doc Rivers, uh, Steve Kerr, all these guys were giving him praise. But at the same time, he had his issues, you know, when it came to rotations, when it came to sort of riding the, the sort of hot hand a little bit, he, he would sort of take them out at times. Um, there were obviously issues with Coach Kenny's coaching, um, but I think, you know, in terms of where we're heading, he is the perfect sort of guy. Him and Sean Marks have that perfect synergy, and I think the way we're playing and the system we're, we're implementing is right for the players that we have. Um, I think he sort of needs to focus a little bit more occasionally on going, okay, if Delo's hot, let's leave him in. Let's let him do his thing. Um, it's a sort of star-driven and, and skill-driven league. So there are times where, you know, you just go away from the system and let you know, your star do his thing. We don't have that star right now. Delo may have those moments this year. Dinwiddie had his moments at times last year. Um, but I think, you know, discipline is an important part 
uh, of our system and any system in the NBA. So Coach Kenny is improving. He's by no means perfect, but I think he is the right man for the job. Yeah, I love Coach Kenny. And I think, you know, I'll say this too. You know, some of it I think is the front office and the performance team. They don't want these guys playing a ton of minutes. They put a lot of money into analytics and research, making sure they play the proper amount. And obviously no guy has really stuck out and been like, all right, he's an all-star. Like D'Angelo, when he played early in the season, had some really nice moments. But later back half of the season when he came back from injury, he was hot and cold. He even had moments where he was super hot in the first quarter and then the rest of the game he kind of went ice cold. And I think, like you said, Kenny's developing just like the rest of the team. I don't think there's many coaches in the league that would have gotten as much as out of the nets as he did. You know, for the knowing that they're not going to make the playoffs, they're not going to win 30 plus games, having the injuries to D'Angelo, Jeremy Lin, who is supposed to be, you know, the guard that kind of runs the show for everybody and the steadying force, he being out the whole season really had an impact. And not to mention the development of these guys. I think, you know, you look at what Kenny's known for is developing players. Look at Joe Harris. Look at Spencer Dinwiddie. Look at Jared Allen in his first season. Look at Karis LeVert. Look at Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. And I think the jump these guys made all, you know, having one player make that jump would be great. Having like four or five guys make that jump in one year is huge. And I really yeah. like what Kenny does. And I love his system. And I love his mentality in the terms of three-pointers. I think the NBA is going small ball, going three-point oriented. And I think that's something maybe defensively he needs to work on. Rotation-wise, I can understand the frustration. But I also can look at it from the other perspective. Is the Nets roster that great? Were they a playoff roster? No. Is there players on the team that you're like, oh, these guys need to come off the bench and get minutes? I don't think it's really that easy to say, like, these guys deserve more minutes, especially when you don't know who's putting in work in practice and you don't know the scheme to detail. Yeah, and I think uh, Mikey's also mentioned the fact that we have uh, a high amount of top picks, you know, with Oakleford, Stauskas, D'Lo, uh, and Levert to an extent. Uh, I don't think, you know, you can read too much into the, the, the number that a player is drafted in. I think it's about how they've sort of performed, you know. We saw Okafor and not being able to perform in, in Philly system, and they're sort of thriving right now. Stauskas, I think, is sort of an afterthought uh, in, in many senses of the word. I don't think you sort of attach the numbers to sort of and go, okay, well, we have so many high picks. I mean, we have D'Lo, obviously, as well. Um, but for me, it's about how they can sort of fit within your system, how they can fit within the team and within the roster, and, you know, just be able to sort of compromise and sort of, you know, like a guy like a Joe Harris who sort of developed skills that we never even thought we saw. Alan Crabb, to an extent, we've sort of given him plenty of criticism, but, you know, he was able to improve, you know, markedly as a defender. Um, yeah. I think you need to be able to sort of improve and, you know, show the coaches that you can fit and you can provide something outside of what your sort of known skill is. And the fact they got better. You know, they went from 20 wins to 28 wins. And like you said, all the guys improving. I think there's just a lot to like about it. And, you know, talking about Okafor, Stauskas, and D'Angelo, they're all guys we traded for, and we pretty much traded not much for them. And they're guys, you know, Okafor and Stauskas, like, they really didn't work out in Philly, and Stauskas didn't really work out in Sacramento. I think there's reasons they were traded. D'Angelo, there's a little bit more to that. And Karis LeVert, I think he's, you know, progressing nicely. Like, I don't think you'd expect him to be better than he is considering the injury history he had in college and coming in that way in the NBA and the opportunities had. I, I like the way Karras is developing. I mean, D'Angelo, if he didn't have that injury, we might be having a completely different conversation and the Nets could have won 30-plus games. Yeah, I mean, there's so many what-if scenarios in, in today's NBA, especially with our Nets when it comes to, to injuries. So I think, yeah, one thing, uh, the performance stuff, and I think age as well is going to have an impact on some of these guys. You know, we may not see guys like Jardin Moose and Rodion Skorak playing 82 games, but sort of being able to manage, you know, these guys throughout the season, um, adding that extra talent, that extra depth. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, we, we may target in free agency as well, but 
also, you know, the continuity factor, I think is going to be a huge thing. So uh, don't know, don't think too rashly about sort of coach Kenny uh, Marquise. You know, he's the right man for the job. Uh, if he continues to make improvements as a coach and within these players, you know, there's not too much we could criticize him about. I think you can start making criticisms of Kenny when they have a playoff ready roster. You know, when the team looks like, you know, people are predicting them to go to the playoffs, make the playoffs, they don't have injuries, and they miss the playoffs, that's when you can start criticizing him. But the fact he doesn't have an all-star in his roster at this time, you know, it's it's hard to expect him to, to bring this team to the playoffs or be any better than they were, especially yeah, with absolutely. the injuries. Definitely. But another question from Marquise, we appreciate it. We appreciate all the support on YouTube, Twitter. You know, our last episode, we got a lot of listens and views, and we appreciate that a lot. Should the Nets target Mario Hazonia, Julius Randle, and or Nerlens Noel? We can go through each guy a little bit. Yeah, so Hazonia obviously was a rumor that sort of gained some traction this week, uh, thanks to the New York Post posting a piece uh, on the fact that the Nets are certainly going to be uh, keeping their eye on Mario Hazonia. We've mentioned his name uh, plenty of times on our pod. Uh, I think he fits in perfectly to what the Nets are doing. And out of these three, he would be the ones that I would be sort of heavily going for. You know, unrestricted free agent. Probably don't have the need to break the bank for a guy like him either. Uh, he fits the mold perfectly in terms of the coach Kenny system. Uh, again, defensively might be a bit of a liability. But, you know, you look at Jana Moose and Rodion Skurox, he's almost like an elevated version of, version of them already. Um, and we know that sort of Sean Marks seems to have a, a, a nice sort of affiliation with his, with his European sort of uh, prospects. I think Hazonia has a, a high level of talent. Uh, that he hasn't been able to reach. But, you know, he played some awesome basketball for Orlando, you know, in moments that he started. There were months where, you know, he was averaging 15 points. Um, his shooting is uh, one of his main sort of weapons. You know, he can play anywhere from two to four. He has some nice size about him. Uh, again, defensively, uh, somewhat of a liability. But, you know, I, I think the Nets sort of are, are improving as a team in that sense anyway. So if we can sort of be, I had a guy like him, I think it'd um, do the world of good. And, you know, just uh, it'd space the floor so awesomely and give us that line of versatility that is seems to be really important for what the, the Nets are going for in the sort of that positionless basketball. Yeah, like you said, Jack, we've mentioned him a lot. I think we've even mentioned him since the trade deadline earlier this year as somebody the Nets could possibly target. And I like the fit. Like you said, he offers some versatility, offensively he has some nice skill. And when he came to the league, he was very raw. And we know that players aren't developing nicely in Orlando. You know, we've seen guys like Victor Oladipo go to Indiana, become an all-star. Guys like Tobias Harris go to Detroit, have a big season. So there's no reason to think that Mario Zonia doesn't have more to be tapped. You know, the potential is definitely still there. And he's a guy that you could probably get for a relatively cheap deal. I know there's a couple teams interested, like the Kings as well. So I think, you know, looking at Brooklyn, what they've done with their developmental staff, I think that could be a nice piece to add. And I really would be interested in bringing him on on a nice deal. And seriously, if you're Mario Hazonia and you have an opportunity to go to a budding franchise that has some consistency, has some cohesion in Brooklyn, or, you know, not to throw shade, but a Sacramento Kings franchise that thinks they have a super team and has about 4 million <laughs> centers, um, I think I'd know what I'd do if I was Hazonia's agent. And he's got a cool personality as well. Like we saw Jean Moussa and Rodion's Corrupt press conference as well. But I, I love Mario Hazonia. He, he's, got some, uh, he's got some spunk about him, and I think he's going to be a really fun guy uh, to watch. And I, I hope. I certainly think that he can thrive. You know, we sort of, we got Okafor at that sort of trade deadline as well. But, you know, I was a little bit, um, not annoyed, but, you know, I was I was sort of, you know, gritting my teeth a little bit. I'm like, damn, I wish we could have got Hazonia instead. Yeah, and this is an area where the New York market will help. Being so diverse in New York City, there's a great fit for an international player like Mario Hazonia. And I think that's something that's a little bit undersold. And obviously the develop, development staff, the performance team and all that, I think is really being a, a selling point for the Nets. So I, I think Mario Hazonia could be a real possibility. And like you mentioned, Brian Lewis of the New York Post already reported the Nets are probably targeting him. 
Yeah, Julius Randall, Nick, what do you think about this one? I think this one seems a little bit less likely, but the rumors have been hanging around with Julius, you know, along with Aaron Gordon and Jabari Parker. But to be honest, if we're ranking the three out of those sort of guys that are uh, on, in restricted free agency, I like Julius Randall's fit. It's just going to come at what cost? Yeah, I think I I like Julius Randle an extent. I think a lot depends on Jared Allen's three-point shot because Randle obviously isn't a great three-point shooter. And I think some analytics have come out where defensively he's not as good as advertised, you know, especially in isolations and switchability. I think he's probably the least likely out of the three because of the contract and then just the risk of him not his best position being at center, which I think it might be. Yeah, I, I certainly think his best position is at center, especially in this sort of small ball NBA that we've been talking about. Um, I don't think, you know, if the, there'll be, a, a, I certainly think that there might be another team that's willing to give him some money. Um, you know, obviously the qualifying offer has been extended by the Lakers. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see, obviously, Kawhi and LeBron and PG uh, could dictate his future in, in a sense. But I don't think the Nets are going to be throwing too much money, especially with the uh, lack of sort of cap flexibility that we now have uh, in a sense. And I don't see us breaking the bank for a guy like Julius Randle to sort of, you know, forfeit um, for two uh, highly max uh, um, free agents going into next season. Exactly. I think that's a big factor, too. He's going to probably get a big contract that obviously is going to go into next year. I think Randall, on a side note, is a really interesting piece for the Lakers because he could put them in a pickle saying that, you know, let's say Dallas offers him a max offer sheet and then the Lakers have two days to decide, but they're still unsure if they're going to get Choir LeBron. So I think that's really interesting, but that's for yeah. another podcast. Uh, Nerlens Noel is a guy I find very interesting. Obviously, the off-the-court stuff is what makes him scary, but his on-the-court play and his versatility, his defensive potential is amazing. And he'd be a guy that I think the Nets might take a risk on. You could probably get him on a one-year deal, too. Yeah, I certainly think that he has more potential than his former teammate in Jaleel Okafor. Uh, I think defensively, he could automatically make an impact. You know, he'd automatically... I wouldn't even mind us playing, you know, sort of big man lines with him and Jared Allen. That would be just defensively absolutely monstrous, you know. Uh, I think Nolan Zemel has a bit of toughness about him as well. Uh, I like him in the pick and roll. Uh, you know, he's sort of a, a nice sort of rim runner in that sense of the word. You know, defensively, you know, he is one of the sort of high-level sort of blockers. You know, he has so much potential there. Wasn't able to show it, obviously, in Dallas. And again, another guy that we could probably get on the cheap. So that's why I'll probably, you know, for ranking them, guys I want and guys who I think we can get, I think it'd be Hazonia Noel than Randall. Um, I think he has huge potential. Uh, and I think, you know, he's been on the net sort of radar for a little bit. You know, we sort of talked about him uh, a little bit less, but I think he'd be a nice fit. It just depends on, you know, how he sort of fits with Jared Allen as well. But, you know, another young guy that's sort of worth taking a flyer on. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, you know, the defensive potential is just amazing there. And I think he could kind of be a great backup and split minutes with Jared Allen in the sense that he can be a rim runner, you know, catch the oops and as well be that shot blocker. And, you know, he might even be more versatile defensively than Jared Allen. You know, he's shown some great ability to kind of switch on the guards and things along those lines. So very impressive. But like you said, I'd probably be agree with you spot on. I'd go Hazonia, Noel, and then Randall. Yeah, and I think, you know, if we were to get Hazonia and Noel, you know, guys for the cheap, uh, as, like, you know, not breaking the bank in any sense of the word, that'd be an awesome offseason for our Nets. You know, get more young talent, untried guys, guys that have uh, huge potential, haven't reached their ceilings yet. And obviously, we've, seen, we've talked about Coach Kenny and Sean Marks in terms of their development and the culture. Uh, I think it would work wonders for these two. For sure. And like you said, I'd be very happy with that offseason. And I think there's a lot of developmental uh, potential there. And it could just really help the Nets. And it also could add some nice trade assets moving forward. But uh, big thanks to Marquise for the questions. And like we said, you know, if you guys have any questions for us, hit us up on OTG Basketball, you know, at OTG Basketball on Twitter. You can hit us in the comments. You could also find us on tw uh, on Twitter at personally at OTG Nick and the J-Man at JBT.
At JmanJBT. At JmanJBT. I'm sorry, Jack. I always get that wrong. Um, our next, you know, we got a couple topics of our own. Jack, should the Nets trade Jeremy Lin or Spencer Dinwiddie this offseason? Uh, this full one for me, Nick. I mean, Bobby Marks, I think he has a vendetta against Jeremy Lin. He seems to keep bringing it up uh, no matter what. Uh, I would prefer to keep Dinwiddie in terms of the, the, where he fits in his role. Uh, I really like Jeremy Lin as well. I want him to get a good shot with our Nets. You know, if he can have a full season, I think, you know, there's uh, he has probably a higher sort of, you know, level right now compared to Spencer Dinwiddie. I think both of these guys will be vying for minutes and, and competing in a sense. So, you know, there will be, there are going to be some teams certainly that could probably use one of these guys. Um, but, you know, if we're giving up, you know, Spencer Dimley, a guy who's uh, a really nice asset in terms of his contract as well, whereas uh, Jeremy Lin obviously has that sort of 12 year, $12 million a year contract, there'll be some teams that will still be looking for him. Uh, I'm not 100% sure whether we do get rid of them. I don't mind keeping them, to be honest. Yeah, I think I wouldn't mind getting rid of one of them. I would definitely not trade both. I think you keep one of them for sure. If somebody offers you a deal, I think for Dinwiddie or Lynn, like you said, it's funny because they're both expiring, but their contracts are so different. Where yeah. Lynn, like you mentioned, is like $12 million plus, and then uh, Spencer's like a, a $1 million and change. So I think it could definitely be interesting. What do you think would be some teams interested? Maybe like the Suns or the Magic? Yeah, Zach Lowboard on his podcast, he sort of – you know, star the rumors in, in a sense. He's like, if I were the Nets, I'd call it and say, we've got Jeremy Lin, you know, perfect placeholder point guard for them to play along. Uh, Devin Booker, not a lot of defense, but at the same time, you know, a nice sort of fit. And, you know, give us, say, Dragon Bender and, you know, Jared Dudley or Tyson Chandler. And then in that sense as well, we're talking about rebounding in terms of Mark Eason's comment. Uh, I think Tyson Chandler is still a, a great rebounder and, you know, an expiring sort of contract as well. And, you know, Dragon Bender is, is sort of like another sort of guy, an untried uh, well, hasn't reached his potential yet. And, you know, I don't mind that trade in a sense. Uh, and I think it's a win-win for sort of both teams. Yeah, Dragon Bender definitely still has some potential. We could have that all-international bench. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, Tyson Chandler, I think, could teach Jared Allen a lot of things. You know, Tyson Chandler's always been a guy that I liked his game, and I think he takes advantage of his length. The one thing that I've always loved that Tyson Chandler does is his ability to kind of tip out offensive rebounds. And I feel like you don't see enough bigs do it, but I think that's something Jared Allen could develop. I definitely could see the Phoenix fit. You know, I think it kind of makes sense for both parties. I could see Jeremy Lin being sent there. I also could see Spencer Dinwiddie getting sent there. If it's for a draft pick or one of the young players that hasn't really worked out for Phoenix. Yeah, I think Phoenix, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't be surprised if, if Sean Marks or Brian McDonough are on the phones right now sort of trying to figure out a deal for both parties. But there are some other teams, Nick. Who, do you, who else do you think could be uh, suitors for either Lynn and or Dinwiddie? I think Orlando. I was chatting with Preston uh, Ellis on Twitter a little bit. Uh, do you believe in magic podcast for the magic as well as he does the bird calls for the Pelicans. Great stuff. Part of the OTG podcast network. So check that out. But he mentioned uh, Jeremy Lynn to Orlando for Nikola Vujicic. And um, I think that's a possibility. It's not terrible. He's an expiring contractor. The Nets a backup center, a little bit of a scoring punch. Obviously, defensively, he's pretty trash, but he can. He's added the three point ball to his game, too. Yeah, remember how we destroyed us last season as well? I was there. I know. And like a lot of the guys we're talking about are just guys that sort of, you know, put up numbers on our net. So it'd be nice not to verse him. I think that makes some sense. You know, Vucevic, um, I, I think he sort of, you know, is waning in terms of his sort of fit in today's NBA, but he has added that three-point shot, which I think can be, you know, complementary to an extent, you know, much better of an asset in terms of than Timothy Moscow. I think he fits a lot more, you know, in, in a similar sort of mold to like an Enos Cantor type. But I think he, he could be just as good, obviously, because he has that three-point shot. Uh, he can rebound a little bit too. And obviously, Jeremy Lin also has a, a prior relationship with their new coach, Steve Clifford, obviously with his time in Charlotte yes. as well. So Great I think that there's definitely a fit sort of there. But, you know, the other teams that I sort of thought, and the only other team that I thought of, Nick, 
um, was New York because they don't have a point guard, but they literally, their roster composition right now, um, it doesn't seem like they'd be able to offer a lot in terms of a trade. Yeah, the Knicks, they have, like, they have point guards, but I don't think they're really sure on any of them. You know, Moutier obviously has disappointed. Frank still needs some time to develop. And Trey Burke is a G League player that kind of popped up last year. They're kind of probably waiting to see what he can do this season. He's a little bit undersized. But like you said, they don't really have a ton to offer. And I don't know. I just feel like a Knicks and Nets trade just isn't as likely, obviously, being crosstown rivals and stuff yeah. like that. Orlando and Phoenix does seem likely. I also could see another team calling and being like, you know, we would really like having Spencer Dimity or Jeremy Lin. This could be like a contending team looking for a backup point guard. Washington would have been a, a team that came to mind, but after the Austin Rivers trade, I don't think that's as likely. But I think a team could easily pop up and be like, you know what? Or, you know, we could use a player like this. Hypothetically, if the Pelicans were to lose Rajon Rondo in the uh, free agency, which I think could be a possibility if someone's offering them one of the big bucks, that could be another team to look at too. Definitely. And I think, you know, we've talked about the Cavs at length before. Yep. I think the, their acquisition of Colin Sexton, um, I think makes sense, you know, to maybe bring in a guy like a Jeremy Lin. But at the same time, they have a lot of issues already with, you know, their sort of roster composition. Um, they would certainly go after a Spencer Dimity as well. He'd be a perfect sort of backup uh, or sort of complementary piece to sort of Sexton and his development. Um, so there, there would certainly teams out there, you know, it's a point guard heavy league. But at the same time, there are a few teams out there that could use their services. Yeah, and this could also be a guys that are traded towards a deadline. Somebody gets hurt and the Nets have a, a surplus of guards and playmakers. They could definitely move one of these guys. What other deals do you think the Nets could be involved in this offseason? Yeah, I think the Nets Nick, could be like a third party in some deals. You know, it's where some of the deals we talked about at the trade deadline, would they still be available as well? You know, teams who are after Damari Carroll, um, you know, the, the, the Detroit Pistons, uh, the New Orleans Pelicans, um, the Cavs as well, sort of, you know, we sort of chatted about them a little bit. Uh, do they want to sort of, if they keep LeBron, they need to sort of add to their team a little bit. Uh, Greg Schwartz of Bleacher Report uh, talked on Twitter. He brought this up, and I'll, I'll put it to you, Nick, because to this, me, this doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, but at the same time, there is value in it to somewhat. He said, uh, best bet would be Jer um, Jordan Clarkson, JR, and Tristan Thompson, and a future first rounder, which is, I think, 2021 uh, by my estimations, to the Nets for Dwight and Damari Carroll. If you buy or stretch these two, that creates an extra $20 million in savings on their payroll. Do, what do you think of that as a possibility? I don't think the Nets would do it just because it puts cap into next year. Exactly. You know, I Unless they would have to throw two first-round picks for me to be interested, especially if LeBron were to stay or something. That pick isn't very valuable. The Nets are already offered the Cavs pick, I believe, at the deadline last year for Spencer Dinwiddie. So I don't think they take that deal. I think in any trade they're involved in, unless it's like a, an amazing deal where they're getting some young asset, some player where they really think could have a bright future, be an all-star type potential, I don't think they're taking on a contract for next year. It would have to be some, you know, treasure chest type deal where they're getting a couple picks or a really good young player. I think they'd be more interested in making a deal with somebody like Washington who has, you know, a Markeith Morris, a Jason Smith, a Jody Meeks, you know, guys who are expiring where they can kind of help them out, get under the cap, maybe get an asset to build on and then just go with next year. Because I think that cap space for next year is everything to the Nets. And they're going to be in a really nice position. They're going to have a lot of young players starting to get into their own, you know, potentially entering their prime. They're going to have a lot of cap off the books and they're going to have some really nice complimentary players still on the books with a Jared Allen, a Karis LeVert and an Allen Crabb and then D'Angelo and Rondé being restricted. You know, you could bring those guys back, possibly a, a nice deals too. So I think next year is what it's all about for Brooklyn. 
Yeah, I think for those in the know, um, obviously would agree with you, and, and I do wholeheartedly, uh, that cap space is going to be premium. I, I think you, you mentioned there uh, Washington sort of uh, as a dumping ground. You know, the Celtics as well with Morris or Baines. Yep. Um, you could add in Philly as well with uh, Bayless. Bayless um, yep. So there's sort of teams around the sort of mark that, you know, we could have, um, we could take on some sort of minor contracts. Uh, obviously, nothing probably more than around the $8 million range around the space that we have right now. So unless, obviously, we were to get rid of a Jeremy Lin, Damari Carroll, all the likes. Uh, but yeah, there are certainly some deals. But I think, uh, as I've mentioned to you when we were sort of chatting uh, yesterday, I think the Nets obviously have a value, not only in that cap space, but also with the consistency. Uh, I think Sean Marks has, has mentioned this, you know, uh, uh, plenty of times, you know, to the media and, and everyone else that, you know, he values what we have now, you know, the value of consistency, uh, shouldn't be underrated when it's in terms of building a, a culture within an organization. So I don't think we're going to be making any rash moves, that's for sure. Yeah, I don't think they'll make any stupid moves. We won't see any Billy King-type trades. We'll see more Sean Marks-type moves right going forward. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And like we said, you know, they could maybe target some of these younger guys, get them on a short-term deal. They could still benefit the team. And they could always bring them back yet next year. So there's still plenty of possibilities, but don't expect any splash moves. Obviously, Stephen A. Smith brought up Clint Capella and uh, I want to say Julius Randle or Aaron Gordon. Yep. Don't expect yep. that. That's not going to happen. It doesn't make sense for the future. You see a team like the Lakers getting a ton of hype. That could be the Nets next year. There's no no reason that it can't be the Nets, and you could argue they might be in just as good a position or better next year with some of the way the players develop over this season, and they're playing in New York, in Brooklyn. It's like a chance not only you – know, People might reference the Nets and be like, well, oh, that's the Nets franchise. They've never done anything crazy. Well, you can come to Brooklyn and you can be that guy. You know, when you think of the Brooklyn Nets, you could think of whatever player signs with them. Is it, you know, a Kawhi Leonard or, you know, a LeBron James, hypothetically? You know, that, that it would be Brooklyn's history, especially if you bring them to a deep playoff run or a championship. They're not going to forget you. And New York basketball is crazy. You know, people always say they'll be the little brother to the Knicks. That's fine. But they they start winning championships and go to the playoffs 10 years in a row and the Knicks have like two playoff runs. I think fans are going to start to kind of tilt over. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, obviously that cap space, you know, we talked about it in, uh, in previous pods, more recent pods. Make sure, you, you know, they're all out there, guys. Make sure you give them a listen over the offseason period. But, yeah, I, I think there was rumors about Kyrie Irving, Jimmy Butler, that 2019 class, you know, Clay Thompson seems a little less likely. But, yeah, for me, it doesn't seem likely. And I think Michelle Beadle also mentioned, you know, in passing about the Kawhi Leonard sort of reference. You know, he wants to be in New York. Oh, his team wants him to be in New York, mind you. Obviously, L.A. is the number one destination. So His uncle you know, has a great relationship with Sean Marks. You know, this, it's not out. It's not out of the realm of possibility. But you know, if we're putting a percentage on it, it's certainly less than ten. But you know, the fact that the Nets are bringing up, being brought up in this conversation, you know, Paul George had the same agent as D'Angelo Russell. Not going to happen. Obviously, we're seeing with the ESPN um, series that's happening right now. But the Nets are in these conversations, and you know, two three years ago, uh, it felt like you know decades away that we would even be in those conversations. Yeah, we were getting laughed at. We were getting laughed at every year. It was like getting, you know, we saw draft picks of Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum back in the day, Damian Lillard. So being talked about in a positive light it just feels amazing for Nets fans. Just kind of brings a smirk to your face. And pretty much we just don't want to mess that up this offseason. Just a few more topics before we get out of here, Jack. How much do you think Dwight Howard's uh, buyout is going to impact the Nets? Obviously, he can give back some money, especially because it's such a big deal and he might want to get on the market right away. Dwayne Wade gave back $8 million next year, and that could really change the cap for the Nets. 
It certainly could, and it certainly adds, you know, a, a level of flexibility that, that we were talking about to take on some more contracts in that sense. You know, I, I think Mark's made this comment, uh, I think, to, or I saw it on Nest Daily, um, and he's like, there are some things out there, whether it's pending, we'll just have to wait and see in July, whether it's how we use our cap space and how we move forward that. We will have flexibility in the future, which is important. And again, we, we reiterated, reiterated those comments, you know, uh, plenty of times. Um, Nets Daily also, I think it was Christian Winfield or, or someone along the lines of, did a sort of deep dive into sort of, you know, the situation that the Nets are in. Uh, he wrote sort of that if the, he, that we would have, um, if he was comfortable sort of taking 15.8 million of his 23.8, you know, the Nets would have around $8 million, uh, leaving $8 million on the table. It'll leave us with uh, around 8.4 million remaining in cap room. Um, obviously, we've got the biannual exception as well, which is around the $3 million mark, the mid-level exception, which is around the $4 million mark. And then there's all, also as well, um, you know, Rashad Vaughn's trade exception, and that would create uh, $12.6 million of cap space to sign, you know, uh, a free agent of some sort. Whether Around that range, you know, we could probably take on almost a Kenneth Farid uh, or some other guys, or maybe even one or two guys, you know, maybe a Morris and a Baines. Um, that certainly gives us, we have a, a level of flexibility but we don't have uh, as much as we're going to have going into next season by any stretch of the word. But there's room to maneuver, so to speak. Yeah, I think the Dwight thing is going to have a big impact. And I think the Nets will play their cards right just for the fact is, you know, Dwight, they can kind of play Dwight into saying, all right, well, you don't want to take us a better buyout. We'll just kind of sit here and negotiate with you in a couple of days and all that money might dry up on the market or teams might fill up their center. And then you're going to kind of be shit out of luck and not be able to find a home. So I think they might have a little bit leverage in the situation. And Dwight's also made plenty of money in his career, you know, not only on the court, but he's had some big contracts, I believe, with Adidas and other kind of like workout supplement type stuff. Yeah, I don't think money is, is going to be a, a driving factor for Dwight Howard. Um, you know, Dwayne Wade sort of set a standard, so to speak. It seems to be that these days, you know, NBA players are focusing less on the money in terms of, you know, what's going to bring them the most sort of happiness in terms of their situation going forward. You know, Dwight Howard's a completely different beast when it comes to guys like Dwayne Wade and Kevin Durant and such. But, you know, who knows what could happen? Um, I'm sure Dwight will be hoping that he can get as much as he can. But I think the Nets will be able to have some, some amount of leverage uh, in a sense of the word as well because the longer this drags on the sort of you know the less options you know he may have as well so uh, I think it works both ways all right Jack this next topic I know is close to your heart and it is kind of scary to talk about but <laughs> how much how much height do you think Joe Harris is going to get this offseason like how much how many teams do you think are going to be interested in him I think, you know, the, he could fit at 29 other teams, Nick. Um, it, it's funny because I, I did, like, you know, some Twitter searches for him and such, and there was some um, some accounts that weren't giving him enough love. You know, they were putting out sort of a guy like Kurt Heelan, who uh, is a known uh, from at Basketball Talk. Uh, he was sort of doing, you know, different sort of um, the pieces uh, and sort of mailbags and stuff. And, you know, he mentioned the fact that, you know, no one even knows who Joe Harris is. That's why he didn't mention his name. Um, uh, and as well, there's, you know, a few other ones who are doing polls uh, in terms of like the 76ers should we target Joe Harris? And, you know, in the poll, they wrote who? Uh, and I'm, and they had like emojis, like, you know, the sort of, you know, yawn emojis and stuff. So there's a lot of people that aren't putting enough respect on his name. Um, we certainly do. I certainly do uh, ad nauseum. Um, and I'm actually going to be writing a piece uh, for otgbasketball.com, you know, in terms of dream signings. Evan Dahl's had a couple of nice pieces and there's a few more coming. Uh, Joe Harris is going to be mine. Uh, I'm not going to reveal who the team is because I, I want you guys to check it out. Uh, but it's certainly a team that could certainly use these services. They are a winning team, uh, to say the least. A lot uh, of I success. A lot of success. You can read into that what you will. Um, but in terms of, uh, I think Christian Winfield as well also put out 
you know, what would he command on the free market? You know, he, he wrote, you know, does he get 448? I think that is way too high. Obviously, yeah. uh, Winfield is a, a Nets and sort of Knicks follower. Uh, and that would be, you know, the ultimate in maybe uh, a couple of years. That's probably what he could command. You know, we, we see guys like Evan Turner uh, in 2016. Joe Harris probably could have gotten that as well in terms of uh, the sort of uh, amount of space that was available. But on this market, I think he's probably more at that sort of mid-level exception range. A couple of years, um, you know, five to seven max. Um, he could even take a discount for for a longer deal. It could be sort of, you know, back-ended of sorts. You know, he could get some player options in there as well to sort of favor him. Um, so I don't think that, you know, there's going to be a lot of teams throwing the kitchen sink at him, but there certainly will be a lot of teams that will be keeping an eye on him, especially if they strike out on some of these bigger free agents. Yeah, like you said, I think two years ago, he maybe could have got that 448 deal. This deal, I wouldn't be surprised if he's looking for three or four years because obviously, you know, his NBA career wasn't a guarantee after what happened with the Cavs and he came to the Nets and really worked that out. I could see five to 10 teams being interested in Joe Harris. Like you said, mid-level exception seems like a number, maybe not the entire mid-level exception, depending on you know if it's a taxpayer or non-taxpayer. But I think it really could be a big target for a lot of teams. I, I do have a strong feeling that he wants to be back in Brooklyn and Sean wants him back in Brooklyn as well. And he could the, the contract is reasonable. There's no reason not to expect him in a Nets uniform next year. I think the numbers are all going to depend. Like I mentioned to you, the only thing I really worry about is like a bad team who doesn't have any shooting, just throwing big money at him. And then Sean Marks really can't match because it's going to kind of screw them up for the following season or future seasons. And look, you know, as they say, if you love them, let them go. If that's the case for Joe Harris, then maybe that's what I'll have to do. You know, let a, let the peacock fly, as they say. You know, Joe Harris, is whatever he gets, it's going to be what he deserves. You know, the market dictates it in a sense, you know, a year-by-year basis. You know, we saw Lou Williams sort of sign for that full mid-level exception at $8 million per year for um, the for the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, that's a, a, an awesome contract for him and you know, certainly undervalued for the level of production that he's putting up. Six man of the year winner uh, on numerous occasions. Uh, I think Joe Harris would certainly get a little bit less than that, but you know there could be some dumb teams out there. Sacramento, you know, uh, and the likes of man, they're not getting a lot of love today on our podcast. <laughs> uh, hopefully, there aren't many Kings fans listening. That's for sure. But yeah, I think that Joe Harris is has a plenty of value in today's NBA, uh, and within our nets, I think he has it even more so. Yeah, and I think his overall toughness, he's a complimentary player. Just he's just an overall great fit for a lot of teams in terms of schematic fit and the three point need around the league. Yeah, and I mean, in terms of, you know, second in effective field goal percentage, you know, second in driving percentage, you know, uh, I, I don't quote me on that. I think those were some of the stats that we mentioned. These are at the back of my head. But, you know, his efficiency as a player, uh, he's one of the most efficient players in today's NBA. And, you know, that's certainly something you couldn't have said for him a few years ago. And, you know, he may have peaked of sorts, but if this is the peak that you have and you get this consistency year to year from Joe Harris, then that is going to be uh, invaluable to, to many teams. Yeah, he's a he's a perfect role player and he knows his role. And I think that's an important thing. You know, we've had a lot of discussions on the Brooklyn Buzz, on the NBA Outland, and you've had on the JBT about players knowing their role and the ego taking over. And I think that's one thing you can say about Joe Harris is he knows his role. But Jack, anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? No, guys, just I appreciate all the love. You know, it's overwhelming as sorts. You know, I keep telling Nick, I'm like, I can't believe that we're getting so much love. But, you know, we're putting out the content, not just for us, but for you guys, because we know there's a market for it. Our nets are coming and, you know, we're going to be riding with them. Yeah, and like I said before, if there's anything you'd like us to talk about, let us know. And you can check out the pod on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, otgbasketball.com, and Dash Radio. And like Jack said, a big thanks to all of you for all the support, and we hope to keep them coming all summer long. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.